0: Bill's Mafia was good this Stevie Johnson Mr. Why So Serious and you now tuned
1: in to the lowdown with Jake Jordan. what is going on everybody welcome to the coolest place in bill's mafia outside of western new york i am your host jake this is the lowdown and after you just heard that intro from friend of the show stevie johnson i had to bring on someone who hasn't been on in quite a while actually it's probably been over a month adam how are you doing today my friend
0: i'm doing pretty good brother how are you doing
1: uh, I am doing actually very well. Uh, we're. This is a very odd time to be recording. It's 3.30 on a Wednesday. Usually I uh, procrastinate and wait till the night before to do my podcast because I've been burned so many times when I do a podcast. And then something comes out on like Thursday evening. And I can report on that for Friday. But this week i don't have that luxury so we're doing this very early so by the time this podcast comes out uh might already be might already be uh out of what would you say that it would already be stale or dated it's already dated (laughs) by the time this comes out because people are gonna be like oh obviously stupid if you saw the depth chart that came out for the chicago bears game then you would know who's more likely to be cut. That's just something that's probably going to happen. But Adam, I haven't talked to you in quite a while, and I think the last time we actually talked, when I was in Fort Lauderdale for a stretch, we talked about what we thought about Josh Allen's, a Josh Allen contract possibly happening, whether we would like to wait or it happens this offseason. And, of course... Uh, I was 51% on the side of waiting and 49% on the side of just get it done now. And what happens? They go and sign Josh Allen. Now I love it. Of course, you're not going to hate it, but Adam, this is my first time talking to you since the contract has been signed. How are you feeling about it? Now we can go into numbers and stuff. Six years, two hundred fifty-eight million, a hundred and fifty million guaranteed, with an average annual salary of forty-three million dollars. How are you feeling about that?
0: I feel pretty fantastic about it, honestly. I my first reaction when I saw it was, I know the numbers are large, obviously, and puts them, you know, as the Second highest paid QB to Mahomes still, I believe. Mm.
1: Uh, actually, he has the he has the highest guaranteed money of any player in the NFL.
0: Okay, guaranteed money, but I was thinking yeah. on a per year salary. I think Mahomes is still higher. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I, I
1: think head. so too, just because of the length of the contract.
0: Yeah, but to me, it still seemed. I, I guess, in a sense, team friendly from the standpoint of it's gonna be spread out and he and it's not so absurd that it's gonna make us be in cap hell. Mm-hmm. But my, can, my overall feeling oh, is ahead. just happiness. I think that, and I also think Bean knew what he was doing because we're still kind of under COVID. The salary cap is going to be impacted by the revenues this year. And so he's getting Josh cheaper than he would have to pay for next year, quite honestly. Except yeah. I think it's another MVP level season.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, with you saying that, I think that, yeah, if we were going to pay Josh Allen next year, depending on what would have happened during this season, he probably would have commanded a little bit more money. The great thing that I love about this contract is technically uh, it's a six year extension, right? But we get him for eight years because Mm -hmm. we, he still has the last year of his rookie deal and then the fifth year option. So technically this money doesn't really kick in until 2023, which just so happens to be the year that the, uh, the TV deals come in for the NFL when all of the cap numbers go up. So if you were going to wait, like I think some teams might like the Browns with Baker Mayfield, they're going to be paying Baker Mayfield a whole lot more money because that salary cap in 2023 is going to be ridiculously higher than it is right now. And I, I love the deal because if you think about it, uh, what quarterbacks are going to be paid in a couple of years and who knows even three, four years into the contract – it's going to be cheap to have josh allen on a 43 million dollar a year deal. like Agreed. you're going to be yeah, you're going to be looking at quarterbacks getting 50 plus 55 million dollars per year and mm-hmm. you're going to have a guy like josh allen locked in at 43 and who knows 5 6 years into the deal maybe then they decide to talk and extend it and give josh more money but right now you got to be loving this deal if you're bills mafia. like it's I would have been okay with waiting and paying him a little bit more, but I'm still 100% ecstatic for him to get paid now. And with him getting paid now, ask the question, uh, there's two other quarterbacks in the class that are still waiting to get paid. I mean, technically four, but Josh Rosen just got cut. And then Sam Darnold still has to prove himself. But Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson – will be coming up and we'll talk about each one separately. I know I didn't really send this to you, but I just assumed maybe it was a conversation that we could have just off the cuff. You don't really need to know much about numbers when you're thinking as the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson comes up and you know, they're negotiating his deal. Now, what do you think a Lamar Jackson contract looks like now that, you know, Josh Allen gets the 150 million guaranteed and it's over six years and also $43 million more. And that guy doesn't have an MVP and you're Lamar Jackson and you do what, what are you commanding from the
0: Ravens? (laughs) Quite honestly, after the end of his season and the step back he took, I don't, I don't know that he's commanding much. I think at this point, He's back in the prove it part of the deal where I think the Ravens are gonna wait and see what happens honestly. I don't you think, think the so they're looking to to shell out the kind of money that Josh just got paid for Lamar just quite yet because if you look at what happened last year, everybody's gonna say, oh, he didn't have receivers and blah blah blah, and we've been through all that, but yeah teams have already put on film how to stop him. And it happened multiple times. It wasn't like a one-time thing. Multiple teams figured out how to slow him down and and neutralize him. And so I think that he's going to have to show that he can, you know, counteract that basically. He's going to have to show that, okay, teams are going to keep me in the pocket, I can beat that. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't show that, I don't know uh that the Ravens pay him big time money.
1: Now, if I'm the Ravens, I 100% agree with what you're saying is, I need to see Lamar Jackson take us farther than winning one playoff game. And also, you know, when you get into those types of games, the Ravens are the kind of team where... uh. They have the kind of talent where they could go far in the playoffs, but the style and the offense that they run kind of holds them back. And a lot of that might have to do with the skill set of Lamar Jackson. The only reason why I think Lamar is going to be able to command more money is one, he was a unanimous MVP, even though that year was a down year for the MVPs. Um, The other big thing is when you think about the game, right, when it comes to contract negotiations, everybody always gets more money than the last guy. Like if you're even any kind of guy who's considered to be a franchise quarterback, you usually get more money than the last guy. So I'm going to throw these numbers out there and just – I think that Lamar Jackson gets a deal similar to Josh Allen. I think he probably gets – a little bit more. Now, when I say a little bit, maybe he's getting a four-year deal, right? He's not going to be getting as long-term of a deal as Josh Allen would, which if you're the Ravens, I wouldn't want to do that anyway just because of the style of player that Lamar Jackson is and the risk that comes with that. So I think he probably gets a shorter-term deal but gets about $44 million you're 1 million more than Josh Allen, just because if you look at it, Josh Allen is leagues and leagues above Lamar Jackson, right? So you have to think that just because he has the MVP on his belt, he's able to play the card of, well, I've won an MVP before. So we, I, this should be the baseline for my contract. So I think he probably gets a shorter term deal with a little bit more averaged and probably a couple million more guaranteed. Uh, I don't think it's going to be astronomically bigger than Lamar Jackson or than Josh Allen's contract. And I think Lamar Jackson will be happy with it. Uh, just final closing thoughts on Lamar Jackson. What do you think about the numbers that I've thrown around? Do you think that's realistically what's going to happen?
0: Um, here's some kind of my thought on it in the past. Uh, I would say, yeah, that's realistic that the guy won an MVP. He's been good. And so, therefore, he would get slightly more than Josh just because that's kind of how it seems to work. However, I would say I don't know if it'll happen only because I think teams are back in the driver's seat a little bit because of what happened with Goff and Wentz. I mm-hmm. think Goff and Wentz kind of ended that whole, well, this guy seems to be a franchise quarterback, so we got to go ahead and pay him more than the next guy. I, mm-hmm. I think that they really kind of put an end to that automatic, this seems to be a franchise guy, because as you saw with the Cardinals, they took Josh Rosen in the first round, which in the past you would never see a quarterback or a team even consider another quarterback the next year. And then they turn around and draft Kyler Murray and send Rosen Patton. Now, obviously, Kingsbury and the Cardinals GM are looking like geniuses for doing that because Mm -hmm. (laughs) clearly Rosen was terrible, but at the same time, I think the precedent is kind of being set that just because a guy is supposed to be your franchise guy and he's been decent even had one really just spectacular season while the league was adjusting, I mean, one could say, look what happened with Kaepernick. I mean, he came on the mm-hmm. scene, changed the way football was played, changed the way the quarterback position was played, proved that a quarterback could be a running quarterback in a, and a th- passing quarterback, you know, kind of like Mike Vick, but yeah. Kaepernick was a different style athlete. And he was a little bigger and tougher. And so it, it's like you get these athletes in like Lamar Jackson who just completely changed the game. I mean, defenses didn't know how to handle him. And, you know, I think teams are adjusting to him now they're adjusting to Kyler Murray. Uh, I, I think that at the end of the day, teams will get film and be able to take away that, running part of the game and if you can't sit in the pocket and, and make some passes in order to keep them honest it it's going to be tough. So I, I think that realistically in the past, yeah, that's what's going to happen with this contract. But I'm kind of thinking because of what happened with Wentz and golf that teams are back in the driver's seat where they don't have to just automatically commit to a guy like that.
1: Yeah, I can see definitely where you're coming from. I think times maybe are changing a little bit. However, I I just find it hard to believe maybe these next couple of years, if you're trying to negotiate a deal, maybe you don't get as much as the other guy. But I think once the league goes back to you know the salary cap just going up every single year exponentially, yeah. that the deals are just going to be bigger than one another. Whether they're deserved, that's another question. Uh, one thing I just want to bring up before we get on to Baker Mayfield. I just got uh, followed on Twitter by Rebecca Grant from Fox Sports and ESPN in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool follow right there. That was something I was not expecting today. So, thank you to her. But now we've got another contract that we have to talk about. Now, there was another quarterback. He was taken number one overall in that draft. Baker Mayfield, what are your thoughts on a Baker Mayfield contract? Because I've seen a lot of people, and I think I even said it earlier, that uh, it's a little bit hesitant. You got to be a little bit more hesitant when you're giving Baker Mayfield a contract.
0: Honestly, I paid Baker before I paid Lamar.
1: Okay. Explain.
0: Explain. Uh, Well, Baker is capable of being a, a game manager type quarterback. He is very accurate, Mm. um, especially on the short throws. And he, when you put the type of offense like they put around him with a good running game and you can keep Mm. him kind of on schedule as far as the downs go, he can be a very good quarterback for your team, especially on a team that has the kind of talent that the Browns have right now. So if I'm Cleveland, I, I would Pay Baker before I paid Lamar. Okay, Lamar is more of a wild card. You know, is he going to continue being a? You know, the with receivers around him now, that'll be his true test. He will no longer be able to say, "Well, I didn't have receivers," Or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, "I didn't have a good running game." Or, I mean, he's got he's got weapons at receiver now. He's got. Tight ends. He's got a running game, so he he no longer has anything to fall back on. If Baker, I uh-huh. mean, if Lamar comes out and he doesn't look very good, or teams are able to keep him in the pocket and he struggles passing from the pocket, it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for him to to continue at an elite level. Whereas Baker I, is more of the kind of quarterback you can run and play action and have a good run game uh-huh. and short throws and short passes and he's, he's comfortable in the pocket.
1: So I understand where you're coming from with that. Right. I feel like I said that quite a few times. Uh, Usually I'm not a contrarian, but uh, you called Lamar Jackson a wild card. I think that that's the reason why you could possibly pay, like you would pay him before Baker Mayfield, because him being a wild card, he has shown flashes of being amazing. Uh, having that wild card in him, Baker Mayfield, if you you talked about it, you have all the talent around him. What happens when you pay Baker Mayfield and you can't keep that all that talent around him? One of the big things is I I can see the game manager quarterback style working. One of my problems with the Browns is that last year they played one of the most – garbage schedules I've ever seen so I do, I can't truly tell the skill level of that team based on the competition they played last year and they couldn't even put Chad Henney away in the playoffs so I when I'm thinking about paying Baker Mayfield I'm also thinking about okay if I'm gonna pay Baker how am I gonna keep OBJ okay is OBJ not gonna stay all right then he's going to be gone then we have who behind him donovan peoples jones who isn't a slouch but yeah but i mean what happens you're gonna have to are you gonna pay nick chubb i mean you're gonna have to pay nick chubb eventually things are gonna start whittling down to where i haven't seen baker have very much success when he doesn't have a full team around him so that's where I would call Baker a wild card just because if he doesn't have all that great talent around him is he anything more than a slightly better Kirk Cousins? Like Kirk Cousins, like I that's kind of my comp for Baker Mayfield is he's an average quarterback with great talent around him that can win games. But cousins when
0: I've got $84 million guaranteed,
1: <laughs> exactly. And I think that the Vikings are absolutely right. I, I, I can't say that word. Absolutely stupid for giving him that contract just because he doesn't move the needle. The reason that you pay a Josh Allen or even a take a risk on Lamar Jackson is when they're good and they're on, they move the needle and, That Lamar has done that without having actually real receivers with him and that's because of the style of offense they run but I and Josh Allen has moved the needle too when he had absolute crap coming into the league so I I'm a little bit more hesitant when I pay Baker Mayfield than I would be because I I think a Baker Mayfield contract looks nowhere close to what a Josh Allen contract or a contract that Lamar Jackson is demanding could be. I think Baker is in your realm of like your thirty-five million dollars a year type of quarterback because he doesn't move the needle.
0: That's kinda of where I'm, that's kind of where I'm coming from is that one, you won't have to pay Baker the kind of money that you'd have to pay Lamar. Two mm. a shorter term deal for Baker to me is a better investment just because of what Cleveland has around him right now in terms of the running game, the receivers. And they've already paid Chubb. And they actually got him Mm -hmm. for a pretty cheap amount. (laughs) I feel like he could have got more money than that. But uh, Mm -hmm. the the thing about Cleveland is, and the thing I'll, I'll start over the thing about the nfl is there's not a whole the the upper tier of quarterbacks is very small so as a gm you kind of have to evaluate you're not all going to have aaron rodgers or tom brady or mahomes or for yeah. buffalo josh allen you're not all going to have those kind of guys So, you can build your roster one of two ways. You can have a guy like Kirk Cousins and try to put, or Baker Mayfield and try to put a whole bunch of talent around them. Or you can have a guy like Mahomes or Josh Allen and be able to sacrifice talent in some places so that you can keep them around and pay them all the money. And and so I kind of just see the Cleveland thing, if you pay Baker and you don't have to pay him the kind of money you'd have to pay Lamar, I feel like that might be a better investment short term than Lamar.
1: Yeah, because okay. Because I honestly so, think
0: teams have figured out Lamar. I think that mm-hmm, he's going to yeah. struggle.
1: Okay, so I I okay, I see where you're coming from now. You're saying that paying Baker Mayfield on the cheap for a shorter term during maybe this window that they have with all this talent is a little bit more conducive than paying a big-time contract to a guy like Lamar who hasn't really proven anything other than winning one playoff game and an MVP on a down year. Yeah, that, that's, that's where I'm coming. Okay. All right. I, I 100% get that now. Uh, but you know we're we're 22 minutes in and we're we're still talking about contracts. Uh, big thing that happened last week is the Buffalo Bills started playing football again. Adam, do you see Thank that? Could you believe that? <laughs> do you believe that the preseason rolled around and we finally got to see the Buffalo Bills play? Uh, big thing, preseason week one. We played the Detroit Lions. Uh. I wouldn't say it was, I, I've never been so invested in a preseason game, right? I, I don't know what it is about just like how society is and how the world kind of is right now that like when football comes on, it's kind of like an escape. So it doesn't matter to me what kind of football is on. Uh, The only game that I wasn't able to make it all the way through was the, uh, was the Hall of Fame game. That was the only one I couldn't make it all the way through, but the uh, the New England Patriots, they played the Washington football team, and I watched every single snap of that game. And then the Buffalo Bills played, and I watched every single snap of that. and the Dolphins played, and I watched every single snap of the Dolphins. like it it's weird now because, preseason's back and a lot of people say that you know oh well it's not real football i've never been so glued to it because now i'm invested to see who's gonna make plays on our team right so this team is so stacked usually you're watching preseason and be like oh maybe this guy's a hidden gem and we're going to have him on our team that absolutely sucks but now it's kind of like oh, we got guys fighting to be on this championship-caliber team. So we're watching guys fighting really hard to try to make it on these teams. And I don't know about you, but that preseason game just had me hooked.
0: Yeah, I'm actually a big preseason guy just in general because I love – I mean, you know I love college football and I love yeah fantasy football. And so I love watching the preseason cuz I'm always watching to see the some of these guys that got taken later in the draft that I watched in college to see how they pan out. And I like watching to try to scout out some hidden gems for fantasy football and things like that. Yeah. Um but overall watching the Bills preseason game was just I I I was just super excited because I wanted to see some of our young guys that we drafted get out there and play. And I also w- was wanting to see exactly what they did, which was that I wanted to see them go out there and dominate both lines mm-hmm. and, and run the football. I wanted to see all of those things because those were our weaknesses last year. And that is what the preseason is all about. The preseason yeah. is all about going out there and trying to work on the things that you need to work on as a football team. Yeah. You don't want to go out there and put on film, you know, your whole passing game. (laughs) Like,
1: Yeah. Like that's, that was kind of the big thing. A lot of people complained about, right. Is uh, they were like, well, we just ran the ball a lot. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's part of the preseason is one for scouting, but two, to work on things that, you know, your team, was not doing good at last year and let's let's face it last year our team was one not good at getting back to the quarterback and two running the ball to control the game we couldn't do those that are the,
0: those are the two things that kept us from getting to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl and mm-hmm. that's what I want to see for this year yeah because if we have a running game that can help out Josh and a defensive line that can put pressure on the quarterback and help
1: out our secondary, I I don't know who's taking us out. And really our our defensive line, right? Our starting defensive line did not play outside of Ed Oliver rotating in with some snaps. Other than that, at the beginning, the first thing that stuck out to me was Gregory Rousseau. And everything that we keep hearing coming out of practice is that Gregory Rousseau is beating Daryl Williams and is going in and actually able to get back there to Josh Allen. And during the preseason, what does he go out and do? He says, oh, Penne Sowell, or I don't know how you say it. So Pene Sowell, Sewell, whatever. I think it's so well. um, yeah. It's It's been so long since draft season. I forgot how to pronounce some of these guys' names. But – uh, he goes. Oh, they already want to, you know, anoint you as one of the best uh, right tackles in the game already, huh? Detroit Lions fans want to call you Jesus. Well, I'm about to punch you in your chest plate and get back there and get your quarterback. Jared Goff didn't even know what was happening till he felt that arm on his shoulder when Greg Rousseau just absolutely bullied Sewell. Like I was. So blown away on just that play alone. And I won't leave out that Harrison Phillips was absolutely bullying the right guard too to push uh, Jared Goff back into um, Gregory Rousseau's reach. So our whole, that whole game, the defensive line was just getting back there to the quarterback. It didn't matter who was back there from Jared Goff to David Blau. Like, it didn't matter who was back there. There was times when A.J. Epinesa and Groot were both sandwiching the quarterback or even you know from the inside, Gregory Russo created some pressure, and F.A. Obata was also doing that. And then Boogie Basham also had a good play but then got called as a roughing the passer. There's just so many things that are looking up, and it wasn't even our starting defensive line, dude. Like That gives me so much hope for what our defensive line and what our pass rush is actually going to do this year.
0: Yeah, let me just say this. Our defensive line is going to be a problem. Teams Mm -hmm. are going to have a problem with our defensive line this year. And I I, I know you keep saying our starters didn't play. Uh, I think Rousseau is going to be starting if – he continues to show what he showed in that preseason game because everything I've heard out of camp is he's been virtually unblockable, and yeah. in that game, he looked unblockable, and it didn't matter. He was playing their starters. Mm-hmm. The line Penny, Penny Soella well is top.
1: going to be their starting right tackle.
0: Their entire starting offensive line was playing, and their starting mm-hmm. line is considered to be a top 10 one of the better NFL ones in the league.
1: Line. Yeah
0: they just—they have the best center in the game that they just paid a whole bunch of money to. That Mm -hmm. is not a crappy offensive line, and our defensive line made them look bad. Rousseau was consistently collapsing the pocket. Our backups
1: were making them look bad. My
0: buddy sent me a a clip. It was like two or three plays of Rousseau. The first one was the sack, and then the second one was just, Rousseau taking so well and literally driving him back like 10 Mm -hmm. yards just towards golf. He didn't get to him, but I mean, he manhandled him (laughs) and it was just, it wasn't even fair. Uh, To me, looking at Rousseau size wise, looking at him athletically, he compares physically to a Jason Pierre-Paul. And okay. watching him play, he he's starting to look like he could become a Jason Pierre-Paul. And you, as a quarterback, don't want to see that out there.
1: <laughs> one of my favorite uh, things that came out this week after the game was uh, Jerry Hughes saying that he was uh, teaching some things to Gregory Rousseau, which obviously you want him to do because Jerry Hughes is one of the better pass rushers in the game when it comes to getting back to the quarterback and mm-hmm. jerry hughes said i can teach him some things but i can teach him things that i can't use personally because of our size difference like i play with mario williams and mario williams had some of the skill the size and the length that rousseau has so things that i learned from mario that i'm trying to teach him i'm like dude if he can be anything close to what Mario Williams was, like i would I would just laugh we'd be laughing all the way home if we got a starting uh left defensive end right that's where he would start is the left defensive mm-hmm. end I just gotta make sure uh yep. left defensive end maybe throw him over on the right side um just to see what my man can do opposite of Jerry Hughes this season he's he has so much potential in everything that we're hearing is that he is showing it every single time that he goes out there. Um, and I, I personally, I said this during a live stream that I was on uh, probably a few days ago. It was on Monday. I said that I think this defensive line is what we thought our defensive line last year was going to be. Because last year... We came off of that season where we were ranked like the third best defense in the league. And then we were like, okay, we added Quentin Jefferson and Mario Addison. Like, we're going to go. We're going to be unstoppable. Well, that didn't really happen. Um, I think that this is the year where that finally, you know, comes to fruition where we think, okay, this is the year our defense is going to be absolutely unstoppable because we're going to be talking about who we think gets cut from certain rooms uh, after we talk about this first preseason game. Um, I think that Gregory Rousseau is definitely in the driver's seat to get a starting job just based off of what we are hearing coming out of camp and what we've seen in the preseason. Now, there's still two preseason games left, and there's a lot of practicing happening before week one, but... I really like what I'm seeing from Gregory Rousseau so far. Now, I think that we can take a step back from the defense and start to talk about quarterbacks. There's a lot of people that liked what Davis Webb was putting out on the field. And for some reason, a lot of people were doubting Mitch Trubisky, big money Mitch, my QB2. A lot of people doubting him because he only threw two passes, which, by the way, one of those should have been caught by Isaiah McKenzie. I get it was low, but you st- he still should have caught that. And then the other one was just an absolute needle threader to Dawson Knox. So I I don't think that Mitch Trubisky – I think Mitch Trubisky has QB2 locked down. I, I don't think you bring a guy in like Mitch Trubisky just for him to not be your QB2 and then have a guy like Davis Webb who still has never thrown an NFL pass during a regular season. What do you think about that?
0: So, yeah, I I think that uh, Mitch Trubisky absolutely is QB2. There's nothing to worry about. It was a preseason game. It was uh, clearly the plan with whoever was in at quarterback was to run the ball and work on the running game. They probably haven't installed a ton of the passing game yet. That's what they'll be doing in practice over the next few weeks. And quite honestly, I mean, Mitch, got he hasn't played in a while. So I I imagine there was some rust and some jitters. And so I'm not worried about it at all. I think he absolutely is.
1: Yeah. And the big thing with Mitch is that uh, people don't realize that, again, he was only given – two passing plays, right? He didn't go up and check out of them. The big reason for Mitch to be out there was to just hand the damn ball off to Devin Singletary. Like that's, that's all he had to do. That's all they wanted him to do. They don't need him out there throwing passes. They know what Mitch Trubisky can do. They see him every day in practice. Um, And that's kind of one of the big things that I wanted to talk about was the run game observations i mean adam when you saw our run game and how we were just feeding the ball to devin singletary how did that like how, how did you feel i mean singletary ran eight times for 42 yards averaging 5.3 uh yards per carry which is about what we think that devin singletary is capable of like what what do you think when it comes to the run game how did it show out for the bills in that preseason game
0: I thought the offensive line opened up some big holes. I thought Singletary looked absolutely sharp and he was deciding quickly, putting his foot in the ground, hitting the hole with speed and and lowering his shoulder and running through some tackles. And I, I thought he looked great. Uh, he caught the ball for a touchdown. That was fantastic, yep. um, which I was a little worried because there was – you know, in camp, they said that he had another bad drop, so I was kind of worried that it was gonna linger. So that was mm-hmm. nice to see him kind of shake that off. Um, I thought that Breda ran hard and looked good too. Um he didn't have as good of an average, you know, a single tear, but yeah, I, thought was I hard
1: well, I think a lot of that too has to come down to what Breda was running behind like he was running with the threes, right? Mm -hmm. So Brita was really having a tough time. I think out there just kind of trying to get a feel for it. He wasn't, he's not used to probably running with the threes. Usually he has enough time to be able to break the corner and use that speed that he has, but he just really didn't have it here. There were no holes for him to really be able to get. Nobody was setting the edge for him. So I think that Brita, I that's one of my things that I'll bring up uh preseason week two. kind of what I'm wanting to see is so I want to see Brita get a little bit more into it because I think that Matt Brita can be a really big asset to this run game. Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking about after the game completely, just there was some big things that looked absolutely awful. And we assumed that they would, you know, address that in the, uh, the cut downs that they were going to have. One of the things being Bobby Hart looking absolutely awful, Um, almost getting Jake Fromm killed multiple times (laughs) and uh, he did not get cut. Uh, So we really need to talk about who do we think is going to end up on the cutting room floor for the Buffalo bills. Once they have to cut it down to the 53 man roster, I mean, i think that one of the big things to start out with is the defensive end room we have a lot of defensive ends especially with guys that we've either brought in or who we've drafted because i don't think a lot of people thought we were going to draft two defensive ends in the draft but we ended up doing it and now some people gotta go when it comes to the defensive end room so adam Usually, I would say that the Buffalo Bills are going to carry six DNs, usually on a rotation, um, and four defensive tackles. So we'll start with the defensive ends. Who do you think are the odd men out when it comes to the defensive ends?
0: Um, I think Mike Love will be gone. Yeah. I think that Daryl Johnson will probably be on the outs as well, mm. it'll come down to whether they want to keep him for special teams or not, um, okay. between him and Effie Obata, because Obata has looked good in camp and looked good in the preseason game, mm. so I, I think that, that if you're keeping six, Love is one that gets cut, and Daryl Johnson and Obata will be kind of fighting for that last spot, so I, if I was going to pick right now, Mm-hmm. I think they would probably cut Daryl Johnson and, and put him on the practice squad.
1: Okay, I could see that. My pick is Mike Love is gone. I think Mario Addison is gone, Adam. I, I don't I, think
0: I think that's a possibility. I was, but I've been saying that in the off season, and then it never happened. So I'm kind of like, uh, maybe they're they, kind of tied to him. The,
1: The Buffalo Bills can still save $3.4 million if they cut Mario Addison, even after the restructure they did. Um, One of the big things is I think they might try to offload Mario Addison. Uh, One of my things that once we hear all this great stuff out of uh, AJ Epinesa in camp, Greg Rousseau in camp, Mario Addison, uh, they already have Jerry Hughes for that veteran mentorship. You don't really need to. That's kind of always been the argument that I've had of saying, oh, they're going to keep Mario Addison around because of the veteran mentorship. Well, one of the big things about Mario Addison is just that dude doesn't produce. My thing is I understand having the veteran leadership, but you've already got Jerry Hughes for that room. The defensive end room has Jerry Hughes. Mario Addison... Uh, one of the things that kind of put it over for me, just kind of thinking that it could be a possibility, is there were two there were two press conferences that happened, and when both Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison were asked about the young guys, Jerry Hughes brought up teaching him and what he can do and what he's teaching. Uh, greg rousseau and other guys uh skills and things and when mario addison was asked it, he was just like yeah those guys are real those guys are real like he, he kind of sounds like one of those guys that he's one of the boys you know so i think that when it comes down to if you're going to keep one of them for veteran leadership jerry hughes i think is the guy that you keep and if you can offload mario addison to someone maybe you do if Greg Rousseau is really as good as a lot of people are saying that he is, or if AJ Epinesa is actually doing what we think he can do and getting better going into the year and FA Obata just coming in and being what we thought he could be too, because we saw what he could do with Carolina on the limited basis that he was playing. So I, I think that if there's going to be a guy who's on the bubble to get out, it's Mario Addison. Who's not as productive And, you know, is getting older when it comes to it. All these younger guys are behind him. And if it really just comes down to, do we keep Daryl Johnson? They really like Daryl Johnson as a special teams player. um, Mm -hmm. And they really do like to covet those guys. So I think that Mario Addison is actually the guy who's on the bubble for possibly being traded or cut for $3.4 million.
0: I, I, I would agree with that. I just... I was thinking they were gonna cut him all offseason and never yeah, did Yeah, they never so, did it. Started feeling like maybe he's he's not going anywhere.
1: Well, don't worry. We're gonna get to talk about uh, another person who we think uh might get might get cut that we thought all off season might get cut. We're gonna talk about the defensive tackle room. Uh you gotta believe they're probably gonna keep four defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Um I think that you're going to get at Oliver Starlet They aren't going anywhere. Uh, Justin Zimmer, I think, isn't going anywhere either. He was a guy that really flashed last season when we brought him in, and I think that we're going to keep him just because he was kind of like our one tech when we didn't really have one because we have two guys that can technically play one technique, and it was Vernon Butler and Justin Zimmer, and Justin Zimmer looked so much better than Vernon Butler. And the only thing that I have not heard anything out of camp is Vernon Butler has been an absolute non-factor. I thought Vernon Butler was going to be one of the guys we cut for cap space this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Butler does not stay on the team. And I think Harrison Phillips takes that spot just because I, I feel like Harrison Phillips brings more to the locker room and, I saw some good things out of Harrison Phillips when it came to uh, the preseason game and also the back half of last year. Um, I think that Vernon Butler's the odd man out when it comes to the defensive tackle. And obviously behind them, they have uh, Brandon Bryant and Trayvon Hester, who I think are also gone. So I think that your four are are Oliver Latulale, Zimmer, and Phillips, and I think Vernon Butler's on his way out the door, uh, just to join Mario Addison in the bringing in of free agents by Brandon Bean that haven't really seemed to pan out. What do you think about that?
0: I think Horrible Harry is back. Um, yeah. At the end of the season last year, he started to look like he had some spring back in his step. Um, he He's definitely finally all healed up from that knee and uh in the preseason game the other night, he looked he looked like he was back. He was yeah, he was getting in the backfield, he was taking up blockers, he was he was doing his job and he looked good. And uh he's also huge to the Buffalo community and mm-hmm. he's huge in the locker room. I don't think there's any way he gets cut.
1: Yeah, so and Matt on the Butler on the depth Kessel chart Brian are on the way out. Yeah, and on the depth chart, they have him listed behind Vernon Butler. And I don't understand why that is because, again, everything I've heard is that Vernon Butler is a non-factor in practice. He hasn't done anything, and I think a lot of the time he just hasn't really done very much to prove that he deserves to be on this championship team. Now, granted, we've heard good things of Harrison Phillips, too, um, but I, I guess time will tell. Like We're basing this off of a you know, week one of the preseason depth chart. So obviously things are going to change. And if I was going to have my way and I'm not a, I'm not, you know, one of the coaches or the GM, but I would want Harrison Phillips to be the guy who is successful over a guy like Vernon Butler. Agreed. And then there's the running back room. So there's really, there's a bunch of guys and, they're all kind of just fighting for running back three, right? Uh, RB three, uh, they have it listed. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Maprida. the that's your RB one, two, and three. And then behind them, they have Antonio Williams, Tywan Jones, and Christian Wade. Uh, I really don't see anything changing that much. Now. A lot of people love Antonio Williams. Uh, I just think that Antonio Williams kind of has a redundant skill set. I don't think he brings anything to the table that Devin Z- Singletary and Zach Moss don't. Um, and maybe maybe that'll change, but you know he wasn't able to find any holes during the last preseason game. He went down, he hurt his shoulder, and then he fumbled the ball, which was probably a result of hurting his shoulder. But I think that Antonio Williams... Kind of is the odd man out when it comes to that, and of course Taiwan Jones and Christian Wade are there. But I, I kind of find that it's a given that Christian Wade just isn't going to make the team. But maybe that's just me. What do you think about that?
0: Well, Wade will go to the practice squad because he's part of that international program, so we can. Yeah. Get, uh, um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think. I think if Bean felt confident, Williams could be the third guy, especially after how he looked, you know, filling in last year. Yeah. If he really felt like Williams could be that guy, he doesn't bring in a guy like Breda. Yeah. I think he brought in Breda because really, like you said, Zach Moss is a bigger bruising back with mm-hmm. a little bit of shiftiness. And Williams is basically the same type of back, except yeah. eight years older. So yeah, I, I think he brought in Breda to kind of compliment Singletarian Moss because he's that speed track guy. Mm-hmm. that can catch passes out of the backfield and yeah and moss and singletary are going to do more of the heavy lifting with the carries and inside the tackles and down by the goal one and uh yeah i think williams will probably just be the be cut and taiwan jones will probably be cut as well
1: yeah i i really just don't understand the obsession with antonio williams it's kind of like Duke Williams and guys that are practice squad darlings that Bill's Mafia falls in love with. Antonio Williams had a hell of a game when he came in against Miami. Uh, But I can't say that we've heard anything out of camp that says Antonio Williams is really going to be competing for another spot. Now, the only reason why you got to think maybe Antonio Williams doesn't even stay on the team in general is because of what Taiwan Jones brings you on special teams. Uh, Taiwan Jones is always on the team for, you know, just special teams. So Antonio Williams has been a guy that's been brought on and off of our practice squad for a while now. Like he's Mm -hmm. been cut from the practice squad, brought back to the practice squad, cut again. Like you would think that if that skill was really there, that even with this opportunity that he has, that he would have been able to crack that top three running back spot. And you don't bring in a guy like Matt Breida, who's really good at running the zone run scheme like uh, the Buffalo Bills did last year and what Matt Breida's had the most success in. You don't bring that guy in if you think Antonio Williams is just going to come in and take that job. So. I think that Antonio Williams is that odd man out when it comes to that. And, you know, but speaking of another position group that's going to have a lot of odd men out uh, the cornerback room, Adam, lots of corners here that uh, we can talk about. You got to think Levi Wallace has CB2 locked down. Everything that we've heard out of Dane Jackson is just that he's not consistent enough to really unseat Levi at this position. He hasn't done anything that has made the coaching staff go, uh, Levi Wallace and him are actually competing for CB2 because everything that we've seen, Levi Wallace has gotten a majority of the snaps with the ones in every single practice. So, I think that when it comes down to it, Dane Jackson just hasn't really proven that he can unseat Levi Wallace. Now, I'm not saying that he's cut. We're talking about cut candidates. I don't think Dane Jackson is cut at all. But you got to think that if he was going to win that CB2 job, we'd be hearing a lot more out of camp than we do.
0: Uh, the, the CB2 job is all Levi Wallace. They they Every year they make him prove it. <laughs> And so far, nobody's been able to come unseat him. Um, yeah. But Dane Jackson is, you know, it's it's hard to be a corner, and mm-hmm. and his style of play is aggressive. He yes. likes to make plays, and sometimes I wonder if he'd be a better safety than a corner because he's a ball hawk. Yeah. He's he's looking to jump routes. He's looking to try to force fumbles. He's looking to make the big, splashy play. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. at corner, when you try to make the big, splashy play, you're going to get beat a few times, and you're going to yep. get burnt. And, uh, you know, that that's the problem is you can't, especially in, a, in a, a zone defense where you need each player to play their role and, and do their job and cover their patch of the field if he's yeah. the kind of guy that is trying to make a play on the ball and he gets caught, you know, leaving his zone to try to jump around or whatever, you can't you can't really count on that. So yeah. I think that Levi is going to win the CD2 role just because he's over-reliable. He does his job. He doesn't do anything, like, spectacular, but he also mm. doesn't do – he doesn't get burnt. yeah and make huge mistakes a ton
1: so levi wallace is one of those kind of technically sound corners he's not overly like he's not going to impress you on the field a lot but he will have a few plays where he does and he's not going to go out there and absolutely embarrass himself Uh, Mm -hmm. obviously we've been calling for levi wallace's head almost every single year but they keep trying to bring these guys in to unseat them like they brought in josh norman who had the most success in the sean mcdermott defense and he still couldn't unseat levi wallace for cb2 so i'm i definitely i'm comfortable with levi wallace at cb2 i would have liked to have seen you know, a little bit of new blood there. But, you know, when you've been the starting corner opposite of Tradavius White for the last four years, it's going to be pretty hard for them to unseat you if you're not that guy. Um, the one guy that I see a lot of people jumping on the train for is Teron Johnson. Uh, I, I'm i not sure how I feel about Teron Johnson uh, because I've had a lot of, you know, people... They base Teron Johnson's uh, future and his spot on the team based on two plays that he made during the season. Um, and we can talk about that. Um, he gets the one pick against Big Ben in the Pittsburgh game. And then he gets probably one of the greatest plays in Buffalo Bills playoff history uh, against Lamar Jackson. But does that constitute Teron Johnson ha- having this? nickel cornerback, you know, slot corner position locked up for himself. Um I've had people that have called us, like, called me and the people we've talked about high uh, because we think Teron Johnson could be one of those guys that, you know, gets bumped down the depth chart because he was benched last year. I mean, a lot of people like to forget about that Teron, Teron Johnson was benched, benched last year. He was not playing well, and they were going to have Cam Lewis come up and unseat him to be the slot corner. Um, I don't think that Teron Johnson still has that spot locked up. I think that if he even has uh, mistakes this year where he's just not doing what needs to be done, he will get benched again, and they will have a guy behind him come step it up. Now, if we got to talk about people that are going to be cut I think a lot of them probably have to do with, you know, guys that were brought in maybe through the draft, kind of because the cornerback room, it's all a bunch of depth guys that we have, right? So we brought in Rashad Wild Goose, and then we got Nick McLeod and Elijah Griffin, uh, the son of Warren G. And then we've still got Cam Lewis on the team. So Adam, obviously, we think they're going to keep probably six corners. Who do you think are the six that they keep? And who are the three odd men out?
0: I'll make it easy. The three odd men out, it's going to be Wild Goose. Mm -hmm. And then I think probably Griffin and McLeod. Just because they're rookies and they're practice Mm -hmm. squad eligible guys. um, They're not going to crack the roster. We're familiar Mm -hmm. with Dane Jackson. He's done enough to warrant a roster spot. Uh, Teron Uh, Johnson did make big plays, as you mentioned. He'll be yeah. on the roster. He's not gonna get cut, I don't think. No. Uh Kim Lewis looked pretty good in the preseason game the other night. He made a lot yeah. of tackles and plays. Uh so and Saron Neal is just one of those guys that's always on the team. So I I I I think those three guys, just by virtue of like you said, it's a crowded roster and they're familiar mm. with these guys and not familiar with them. So I think they get cut just because of that.
1: And I'm not sure, but is Cam Lewis still eligible to be put on the practice squad like he was last year? I don't
0: know. Um, I, I don't think so because he's, this is his either second or third year.
1: Yeah, I think so. It might. So be
0: st- he might not be practice squad eligible anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, I got to see more out of Rashad Wild Goose. Uh, That's one of the things that, you know, we were... I was definitely looking at throughout the whole preseason game was what are the corners doing? Nobody really wowed me. I can't say that any of the corners outside of, you know, Levi who played really did anything that made me go, wow, that guy needs to be on the team. Cam Lewis, like you said, made some great tackles. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose... Really, really grabby player. Uh, I don't know how well that'll translate when it comes into the actual game with him being that physical. Uh, But I'd like to believe that Rashad Wild Goose would make the team, but with Saran Neal being switched from safety to nickel cornerback this year, that kind of just takes another spot. He's always kind of been a hybrid guy, but usually listed uh, kind of as like a safety more or less um i i think that you're right i think nick mcleod elijah griffin and wild goose all guys that kind of don't have any familiarity with the team except for being brought in this year uh really make the roster at all so i think your six are teron johnson tredavious white levi wallace saran neal cam lewis and dane jackson and i think that's a pretty solid cornerback room to be completely honest with you i would like a better cb2 than levi wallace but I really think that they're going to be banking on the pass rush this year, and they don't think Levi Wallace is bad enough to where he's really going to kill you in a game. The reason you lose a game is not going to be because of Levi Wallace, and I think that's how the coaching staff thinks.
0: I think that's exactly the message being sent with the way he drafted. He would yeah. have gone up at the top of the draft and tried to get uh, another a CB2 opposite of trade, but he basically mm-hmm. said, I'm just gonna put my money on the D line getting pressure. If the D line gets pressure, the the secondary has an easier job.
1: Yeah. So I I really see that's the big thing too, is just to hark on this one last time before we go into uh the last segment that we have, which is, you know, our week two preseason hopes and what we're kind of looking for. Um this team has always kind of been pass rush over coverage. Now our secondary is good, and you know that's kind of just by virtue of having players here before the Sean, before Sean McDermott came in, like Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, that already kind of shored up that ah uh, that secondary. So you didn't have to worry about developing guys in that secondary because Sean McDermott has always been a guy whose defensive line is elite, and the secondary is kind of just, you know, there, don't make mistakes. The pass rush is usually going to get it done. So I think now our team, with having these pass rushers that are going to be hopefully elite-level pass rushers this year, with this secondary, which the only weak spot you can say in the secondary we have, is probably the cornerback slot, because, uh, like, cornerback two slot, Just because, you know, there's not a lot behind Tredavious White and Levi Wallace, which I guess you can say the same for the safeties. But DeMar Hamlin, I think, looked pretty good. And Jaquan Johnson looked pretty good the times that he got to play. And Josh Thomas is really good in run support. So I I think that the cornerbacks are probably the thing that's lacking. And hopefully we address that in the draft this year, because now we can only just get better as the years go on. So definitely looking for the cornerbacks to be the only thing on the defense that isn't really, you know, fully shored up like every other position is. But speaking of things that we want to look forward to, Adam, we've got preseason week two to close us out. And this show, as everybody's watching it, uh, the Bills will play tomorrow on Saturday as people are watching this, right? I believe we're the one o'clock game on Saturday and we play the bears. So what do you, right? I'm, I'm not wrong in that. Am I? We do play on Saturday. Okay. We play the bears on Saturday at one o'clock. What do you think? Because the bears are an obvious step up from the lions
0: Uh, What I want to see is I want to see the defensive line show up again. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I want to see how our defense uh, overall, the the corners, I want to see what they look like when they have to take on Fields next week. Mm -hmm. Because Fields came out week one and looked pretty stellar. Uh, Amazing. That's about the best a rookie quarterback can really look in his debut. Um, 100%. I felt like I was watching Russell Wilson out there. Quite honestly, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I want to see I want to see the D line get out there and get after him again, and uh, I want to see the the secondary show up against Fields.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that, and I want to see I want to see what the corners can do to try to make Fields stay back there as long as possible, and I want to see Greg Russo get his hands on Justin Fields. I want to see that all day. And I want to see what we can do against that Bears offensive line, which isn't amazing, but it is still going to be better than some teams that we're going to have to play throughout the season. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to is I want to see what our run game looks like against that Bears D line. I want to see what our offensive line. I want to see what our offensive line can do against the Bears defensive line. Because the Bears, you know, traditionally always have a good defensive line. So even if it is the twos, I want to see what we can have Devin Singletary do. Because you know what they're going to do is have Mitch go out there and hand the ball off to Devin Singletary 10 times again. Just to see what he can do. So I think my big thing is just to see what the run game can do.
0: Well, here's the real question. Does Josh play? Hell no. He might because traditionally in, in the preseason, you had four preseason games.
1: You week dress in week three don't
0: play. Week yeah. two they play a little. Week three is they play the whole first half. And yeah. then week four they don't play at all. So this is kind of like the week three preseason game. Do we see Josh for the whole first quarter?
1: I don't know, but I don't want to. I mean <laughs> I just if I don't want to see Josh She doesn't touch
0: the field in the preseason period.
1: yeah well (laughs) even even just maybe week three like you don't you don't do the traditional maybe week three he just sees it for a quarter like i don't i don't need to see josh allen that's kind of my big thing and i love that we have a quarterback where we can be like hey we don't need to see this guy at all let's see what the rest of our team can do and the guys behind him um it's a great feeling, but no, I don't want to see Josh Allen at all, man. Like, this is the first time where I'm just kind of like, yeah, keep him out. I'm good with watching everybody else.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I kind of want the whole first-team offense to at least get a drive. I want yeah. them to get out there and get a drive just to shake the rust off, execute some plays, maybe even two drives. But that's mm-hmm. it. I don't want to see him after that.
1: My, like, park the, uh, the whole big...
0: offense on the bench for the rest of the – Preseason.
1: Yeah, the big thing about that, too, is that, uh I mean, Stefan Diggs is still out with a knee. So, yeah, I, I don't know if Diggs isn't playing and if Deion Dawkins isn't playing because Deion Dawkins is still recovering from COVID. Like, I don't want to see Josh Allen out there because if he even gets hurt slightly, I'm going to be pissed off. So... And I think a ton of people are going to be pissed off, and the coaches are going to be mad that they even made the decision to put him out there if that were to happen. Now, if Josh yeah. wants to go out there, let him go out there. I mean, if I mean, it's just wanted deci- to be out there last week, you could tell yeah.
0: he was in full pads, he had yeah. his helmet out there. You know, Josh yeah. is in McDermott's here going, Come on, coach, let me get a drive. Let yeah. me get a drive. Just
1: one drive, <laughs> just one drive, coach no man but no i'm really looking forward to that bears game definitely at one o'clock that is going to be awesome on a saturday which is part of the reason why we are recording this show right now damn we're at like an hour and 16 minutes obviously i have to edit some of it because there were some pauses in this but dude it's been a month adam and you finally back on how does it like like I feel like we haven't talked this much football in a while. Now obviously I want that to change because we're going to be hopefully hanging out a little bit more and you know practicing for flag football and doing stuff like that, but um I it was really it was it was really awesome especially you know since you're at a you're at work recording this. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, pretty productive actually. I've been multitasking yeah. very well.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very that's very good. It's like being on a phone call, except it's going to be broadcast to a bunch of people. Isn't that great? <laughs> but no, man, this, this was awesome. I'm definitely going to have to get you on again because I told uh, Scott last time that we were talking that uh, one of the caveats for me doing the thing for him was that I need to get him on the show. Oh, so go. I'm going to have to uh, have him and you on here so we can all talk some Bills football. But... I want to thank everybody again for listening to us, whether you're listening to us on your way home, you know, ready to get the weekend started and you're going to go watch that Bills preseason game against the Bears, or if you're on your way to work and you're listening to this in the morning and you're just dreading, don't worry, the weekend is coming. You're going to love it. From everybody here, me and Adam, I want to thank everybody for listening. This has been The Lowdown, and I will see everybody next week. Thank you.